seated. Good morning. It is good to be here. Thank you, Drew, for those uh, expectations you've put on the job description of a teacher. And uh, secondly, what I heard you saying is those prayers are needed, are, are okay to pray. So that's what I heard you saying. I wanted to clarify that. I trust you've been worshiping already this morning. And again, I stand before you as we get ready to, to look into the word again, and I'm humbled. It's not because of me. It's because of God. And I want him to be worshipped and glorified here this morning. I do, have a, I do have a question, though. I have a little bit of an argument to make, and I would like to know what, uh, what place I need to come from with my argument. So I have a question to give me an idea of where you guys stand. And without any context, I need a vote. If you were to compare life to a piece of chalk or to a pen, which would you compare it to? Something like a raise of hands. If you were to compare life in general to chalk or to a pen, which would you choose to compare it with? How many think of chalk? All right, hands down. How many think a pen? Okay. Ah, I'm going to say 50-50, maybe a couple more on the pen side. Well, we'll get to that at the end, so stick with me. I'll tell you where I come out at. This morning, I would like to look at Abraham. Abraham is a man who I've been observing and, and studying into a little bit the past couple months, year, uh, the past year. And he stood out to me as a man of great faith. We know him for that. And if I was to ask you, did, Abra did Abraham's belief or actions, or was, let me word it this way, was Abraham recognized more for his beliefs or his actions? What would you say? Come with me to Romans 4. Romans 4, actually there's a couple places in the New Testament, many places that Abraham is referred to. Romans 4 is one of them. Thank you, Josh, for the water. It's nice and cold. In Romans chapter 4, Paul is writing here, and this is what he says in verse 1. What shall we say then that of Abraham our father... Abraham is referred to as our father, as pertaining to the flesh, hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, in other words, if Abraham was justified by actions, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Where is he going to be recognized? Where is he, what, he's, what is he going to glory in? Verse 3, for what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. God recognized Abraham more for his belief, his faith, than what he actually did. Turn with me to Galatians 3. Back a couple more pages. Galatians 
again, as we observe the life of Abraham, the question I posed was, was he recognized more for his belief, for his faith, you could say, or his actions? And uh, the verse, uh, the first cup, the verse, chapter three, verses one to five, talk about faith and works a little bit. And then verse six, even as Abraham, so again, Abraham is used as an example, believed God, and same phrasing, it was accounted to him for righteousness. His belief, his faith, is what was recognized by God, not necessarily what he did, although that followed. And then if, you move, if, you, if we would go ahead and study Hebrews chapter 11, it's called the faith chapter. It goes down through, it talks about uh, Noah and all these patriarchs of the past who had faith. Do you know how many verses they, it spends on uh, Abraham? It's like one verse for each individual, and then it gets to Abraham, and eight verses that it talks about Abraham, Abraham and Sarah. And it amazes me because, again, Abraham was lifted up because of his faith. And as we think about one of the patriarchs, a father, we would go back to Abraham. I am the father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jesus often referred to that throughout his time here on earth. So Abraham, you could say, kick-started God's actions or acting here on earth. Abraham is a man of great faith. Now there's another I'm going to quickly refer to another character in the Old Testament, and I think we looked at her before. And another example of faith, a little moment. You know, sometimes I look at the life of Abraham and say, wow, to be recognized for everything, all the faith that he did and the actions that followed after the faith. I want to be like that. I want to be recognized like that. He did so many great things with God working through him. And then there's one character that only about two verses actually mention her name. But in one moment of active faith, that's my title this morning, by the way, active faith. In one moment of active faith, she changed the course of the Israelites. Any guesses of who I'm talking about? No. No. Good guesses. I love it. No. I'm glad you didn't, uh, this is proving my point. Relation to Moses. No. I heard it. Zipporah. Zipporah. Who is Zipporah? Zipporah was Moses' wife. And there was a time uh, when, when God had come to Moses and called uh, Moses to go lead the Israelites. And he's on his way back. So he had, remember, he had been in Egypt. He went to the Midianites, got a wife and uh, from Jethro. Jethro had a daughter, Zipporah. He married Zipporah. They had two sons. And they were on their way back, back into Egypt. God was leading them back to lead the people out, the Israelites out of Egypt. And Moses was struck with a sickness so bad that he was laying in bed. He was laid up. And he's come before God. He's, he's ready to give up. And he's trying to figure out what to do next. Zipporah finally steps up. And he says, she takes a stone. And she circumcises Moses' sons. And she comes before Moses and says, you filthy man. Why didn't you follow, do what God said? 
and he walks, she walks away. And Moses is healed almost right like that. In that one moment of active faith, Zipporah steps in. God was about ready to kill Moses. Zipporah steps in and with active faith saves the life of her husband. We don't know much about Zipporah, but those two verses point to an action that Zipporah took. She knew what to do, and she did it. She followed through active faith. And now we're going to go back to the life of Abraham. And this morning as we look at Abraham, I want us to see the faithfulness that he showed, that he demonstrated. So we live with active faith. Turn with me back to Genesis chapter 12. The title of the message this morning is Active Faith. And I want us to get a glimpse into how Abraham demonstrated faith and how his faith played out in our lives. Genesis chapter 12, we kind of enter the story of God, I think, starting to act on the earth. If you go back and look through Genesis 1 to 11, we don't see God doing much. Okay, you could say, yes, he created the world. But everything he did was out of a... I uh, don't want to use the word reaction, but a response unto what humans were doing. Adam and Eve disobeyed him in the garden. So what did he do? He kicked him out. And then the earth was populated again. Again, they did not follow him. Then God sent the flood. Then they chose to build a tower, the Tower of Babel. God came down to the earth and said, no, spread out to do what I want you to. So in Genesis 1 to 11, we see people, mankind, trying to do things on their own. And in Genesis 12, out of nowhere, so in Genesis chapter 11, we see a, a line of descendants. Genesis chapter 12, the Lord comes to Abram. And we don't have any record of him walking with God or knowing God before this. But God comes to Abram, and this is what he said. We know this, common verses that are referred to. Get thee out of the country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, and go into the land that I'm going to show you. Because I'm going to make of you a great nation. Your name's going to be great. You're going to be a blessing. I'm going to bless you and all the families of the earth are going to be blessed because of you. So Abram prayed about it for two years before he went. No, verse 4. So Abram departed. Now, I don't know what the time frame was. The Bible doesn't give us any context what the time frame was to um, uh, God's command or request to Abraham to move out. But in verse 4, so Abraham departed. And who did he take with him? Lot. As we think about faith, belief, faith is uh, acting on something that we don't see. And Abraham here is asked to move to a different country. And he picks up his bags, he packs up his bags, he packs up his, thing, his things, and he goes. Now, I'm not sure why he took Lot with him, but he did. Was it wrong for Abram to bring Lot along? I don't see in the, in the command that God gave uh, Abram to take Lot, but he did. And if you look ahead at this, we know the story. Imagine the stress that would have been minimized if Lot would have stayed back home. Did you ever gra I, I grapple with that often. I, I don't know. But what I do know is Abram acted on God's command. It was faith. He didn't sit there for two years and say, God, do you want me to take Lot? How many of my people? At least it's not recorded. 
active faith. He brought Lot along. They get to the land, and they see the land, and God promises it to them. Uh, down in verse 7, And the Lord appeared unto Abraham, Unto thy seed I will give thee this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So they enter the land of the Canaanites, and as they're looking out across, God says, All right, Abram, this land is yours. What did Abram do? He stopped. He builded an altar unto the Lord. When God brought his promise, Abraham had acted on God's uh, uh, request of, of him to move out. And when he gets to the land, he builds an altar. He doesn't start building a house and settling in. He builds an altar of worship. And about this time, there was a famine in the land. So where does Abram head? Egypt. There's food there. On the way to Egypt, he stops and he says, wait, I got a beautiful wife. I go to Egypt. Pharaoh sees my wife. He's going to kill me so he can have my wife. He says, all right, why don't you say you're my sister? Good plan? Not so good. They head into Egypt, and again, he, or he lies. And he says, this is my sister. And finally, the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah. She had moved in with Pharaoh. And Pharaoh called to Abraham in verse 18. What is it that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me she was thy wife? Pharaoh comes to Abraham and says, come on, man. Why didn't you just be real with me? Abraham says, I was scared. And they kicked him out of Egypt. And sent them away with all that they had. So Abram went back out of Egypt and all that he had. And uh, chapter 13, verse 2. And Abram was very rich in silver and in gold. And he went into his journey from the south even to Bethel unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning. Ha ha, at the beginning. Did God tell him to go down to Egypt? It doesn't record that. But he comes back to the place where his tent was. And as he gets back there, uh, verse 4. What did he build beside his tent? An altar. And unto the place of the altar, altar which he had made first, there Abram called on the name of the Lord. Again, I see here, after Abram had took a step, he took a step to go down to Egypt. Now, I don't know if he questioned God if he should or not. He went down to Egypt. He made a wrong choice. He lied. Now he's coming back, and he knows where he needs to go. Says God, I need you. What next? This is characterizing a life of faith, taking steps, and when wrong steps are taken, going back to the altar. He heads back to the altar, and as they're living there, remember who do you bring with him? Lot. And as the the two people are uh, have all their possessions and animals and servants, they start. Fighting. Things aren't working out. They're in too close proximity. And at the end of chapter 13, he says, All right, Lot, come with me. You can either pick off here or you can pick to the right. You get first pick. Where does Lot pick? Sodom and Gomorrah. Another question I raise here is Did God or did Abram ask God for direction on which land to give to Lot? I don't know. But if I were Abram, let's fast forward, I don't know how many years down the road, I would have asked the question, why did I let Lot choose? 
I was in a much better place to pitch my tents towards Sodom. I could have stood up. I don't know. I don't know if Abram asked that question, but we know what happened. Lot pitched his tents towards Sodom, and he was very much influenced by that. Again, what I see Abram doing here is taking active steps of faith. He doesn't sit around and question. He takes the steps. At the end of chapter 13, verse 18, what does he do? Then Abram moved his tent and came and dwelt in the plain of Mammar, which is Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. Again, after he took a step of, all right, Lot, we need to separate, he goes back to the altar. That is a sign of something that is needed in a life of faith, and that is continually going back to the altar. All right, chapter 14, what else do we see in the life of Abraham? Again, I'm observing the examples of faithfulness that Abraham portrayed. In chapter 14, Lot's in trouble. They come in and they get Lot and all his people. So Abram, remember, he's, he's a lot of possessions. He's a lot of things. God blessed him. He gathered his army. The individual has his own army. And he goes out and he rescues Lot. Amazing story. And then he's on his way back and he meets up at the end of uh, chapter 14. He meets up with Melchizedek. And what does he do? He gives a tithe. He tithes Melchizedek. Melchizedek is a, the high priest a portrayal of what was to come in Jesus. And he ties out of the, all the possessions that he had gotten back from rescuing Lot. Another sign of faith. Giving back to the Lord. Characters of a life of faith. Chapter 15, the Lord comes to Abram again. He says, fear not, Abram. Chapter 15, verse 1, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. Abram said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless in the steward of my house? And Abram said, Behold, behold to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. So Abram comes to the God and says, Hey, I do have this Eleazar. Can, can he stand into place? I'm old. I don't have any children. How are you going to follow through with this promise? Verse 4, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shalt not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And verse 6, so as, as, Abram is, as God is telling Abram, I'm going to give you the seed as the stars, the number of the stars. Abram didn't even have a child yet. Verse 6, and he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. Again, character of faith is belief in things that we cannot see. Abraham is an example of that. And then in the end of chapter 15, we see God makes a covenant with Abram. Interesting example of how they made a covenant back in the day. They got animals, split them in half. And they would walk down, the, the two parties would walk down between the animals and shake hands. And it was a sign of the covenant. And that's what God did uh, with Abram. Verse 16 comes along. So again, we're observing Abram's walk of faith. He believed. He's an old man, but he believed that God was going to give him the seed, the same number as the stars. Verse 16, uh, chapter 16, 
Sarah comes to him and says, hey, Abram, I got, I got a plan. <laughs> I'm old. Why don't we use our servant Hagar and have a son? What is Abram in verse, in verse 2 after Sarah talks to him? And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. Does he go to the altar? No. Here we see a step. I'm talking about steps of faith. I see a step that Abram took. It was the wrong step because he didn't go to the altar first. Hagar had a son. They named him Ishmael. And Sarah, through this whole time, was uh, kind of envious, jealous of the Hagar because she didn't have a child herself. And so they uh, sent Hagar out. Hagar left because she didn't feel accepted. And the angel came unto Hagar. That whole story goes down. And God comes back to Abram and says, all right, you take in Hagar. You watch over him. And Abram takes him in as a son. And then verse 17, God comes back to Abram and he says, I'm going to give you your seed. Again, God keeps coming back to Abram. says, I'm going to just believe, just trust, have faith that I'm going to follow through with my promise. And Abram says, why not just use Ishmael? God says, no, I have a better way. That was a wrong step. So again, we see Abram coming back to God. Even though he made a wrong choice, he came back. God was still going to use him. Chapter 18 Again, a son is promised to Sarah. Now, out of Ishmael came a line of descendants that were going to be constantly be at war with the Israelites. Do you think Abram thought about his wrong step that he took in having a son with Hagar and wanted to take that step back? Sometimes in life we take a wrong step we, we, we think we're right, or sometimes we don't ask for dis- or seek discernment of God to know if we're right. We take the wrong step, and that step affects us the rest of our life. Abram's wrong choice, wrong step in having a son with Hagar affected his seed for years, and it still affects them today through the line of Ishmael. So even though God can redeem broken pieces... Wrong choices affect for the rest of life. So be careful with the steps that you take, is what I see here in the life of Abram. But he was still active. He did not give up. He didn't say, all right, it's all over. I messed up. I'm done. He got back up. He went back to the altar. And in chapter 18 and 19, we see Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. And I get a little glimpse into God did not give up on Abraham. Because God comes to Abraham and he says, hey, Abram, um, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. God reveals his plans to Abram even before he did it. That shows God and Abraham were in connection. They were in communion. They had a relationship. Even though, even though Abram took some wrong steps, there was still an active faith present. Lot and his two daughters escape. His wife turns back and becomes a pillar of salt. Go to chapter 20. Abram journeys uh, down into a south country. And again, we're observing the steps that Abraham took. Did he live a life of faith? He lied again about his wife. I'm like, I, 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 get to, I read this and I say, Abraham, aren't you getting it? 
He was actively taking steps. And God used those wrong steps to still accomplish his purpose. It gives me hope when I take wrong steps. And God comes to Abimelech and read through chapter 20 sometime. Again, a replay of something that happened in Egypt. Abram was taking steps actively. Verse 21, finally, finally, the Lord starts his promise and gives them a son, Isaac. Sarah bears Isaac to Abram, and they were old. And then in chapter 22, this son that God was going to bring about Abraham's seed God comes to Abram and says, all right, Abram, I want you to sacrifice your son. Can you imagine what Abram would have went through? God, you just promised, I only have one. And you said my descendants are going to be as the, the stars? Are, are, you, are you serious? Read through the story sometime. And when God came to Abraham... It didn't say he waited a while. It said he got up early the next morning. Chapter 22, verse 3. Early. He didn't wait till 10 o'clock. Maybe God will speak to me again. Early in the morning, he followed through with God's plan. That is a sign of active faith. And we know the story. He went to the top. He followed through. He couldn't see it. He believed it. He followed through with the plans. And at that exact moment before he used the knife the angel appeared and says no 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 Abraham wow your faith is where it should be I've provided something else and instead they sacrificed the goats and then in chapter 23 Sarah is buried and chapter 24 Abraham is old but he still he knew that he needed to help his son find a wife so he sent his servant out and they get a wife for his son Isaac, and Abraham dies in chapter 25. All this we see in the New Testament was imputed unto him for righteousness. Was Abraham taking steps in his life? Yes. Did he take wrong steps? Yes. Did God use those steps? Yes. I want my life to be like the life of Abraham. As I observe faith, Living by faith. I, I just have to point out one thing. Did you notice the verse in your bulletin at the bottom beneath the prayer request? There's not often a Bible verse there. So, Sue, I don't know what inspired you to put that there. But when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? That was an inspiration to me this morning as I was studying my sermon. God gives little glimpses into confirmation of what to share. Shall he find faith on the earth? And so the question I pose this morning is faith, does faith characterize your life? When the Son of Man returns, will he find you faithful? What does it mean to live by faith? I have three things on what I, what God is showing me, what faith looks like. What is active faith? Three S's. First of all, active faith means taking steps. And when I say steps, I mean a step going forward. 
Did you ever enter a time of your life when there was hard questions? Or hard things you didn't know which way to go next? Do you ever feel, I, I like to sometimes use the word muddled? Just don't know what to do next? Yeah. But in those times, all God wants is a step. I'm convinced that faith is more about the steps we take. God would rather have us take a wrong step than no step at all. Because God can direct steps. He can't direct sitting. When you take a step, he can direct it. So when you sit there muddled and don't know what to do, take a step. Do something you know to do. Maybe it's going back to the altar. Maybe it's taking a wrong step, but you're going back to the altar and asking God what to do next. Active faith is taking steps. Do you know that bird that puts its head in the sand? Anybody know which bird that is? They say the ostrich makes a nest in the sand. So literally, put their, it puts a head in the sand. You ever wanted to put your head in the sand sometimes? At those moments of feeling muddled, not knowing which step to take, I just want to put my head in the sand. Don't be like the ostrich. Problems become bigger when we don't act on them right away. So is your faith active? Are you taking steps or are you just sitting? That's for you to answer. Number two on active faith is seeds. So first of all, we saw steps. Second of all, we saw seeds. What does Jesus compare faith to in the New Testament? Faith is like a mustard seed. Do you know how big a mustard seed is? Small. Really, really small. One of the smallest seeds out there. Faith starts with a little seed. Small things make a big difference. When God came to Abram and said, all right, get to a new land. Abram didn't have a blueprint. He didn't know where he was going. But he took a step. And that, those little steps led to Abraham's life being characterized as a life of faith. You don't need to take big steps. Small ones. God always starts with a seed. That's all he wants. Just a little bit of faith. We don't need to see the big picture. We often want to see the big picture of what's next, but we don't. Active faith is steps. Active faith is seeds. Little bits of faith. Active faith is number three, storms. Back to my pen and my chalk. He's right. No, it's not about being right. It's about honesty. When I think about life, now let me, let me first of all say this. I have a piece of chalk. What is chalk made of? Chalk. One thing. Chalk. They're both writing utensils, but chalk is simply made of one piece of stuff. Well, technically a bunch of small pieces uh, really packed together. We have chalk. This is organic unity, you could say. In a pen, is this all the same stuff? No. You take this apart, you got a, I'm supposed a metal piece on the end. It looks metal. It could be plastic. Um, you got a piece of rubber for the grip. You got a, a place to clip on to something. You got a clicker to run the pen. There's a spring inside. And ultimately, 
Inside you got that plastic tube, and inside the plastic tube is ink. That's what makes the pen work. As I look at a pen, I see many different parts. Could I do without one? No. They're all needed. And so as we go through life, sometimes we get to the hard places. Maybe the ink sprays everywhere. And we say, God, where are you? Or what next? Do you know that's all part of a life of faith? That's a season. Abram went through that. And because he kept taking steps when the ink was everywhere, he was characterized by faith. So that's why I like to think about life as more of a pen than many different parts. We have good times and we have bad times. But through the storms, active faith continues to step through. Uh, faithfulness is what gets us through the storm. Sometimes when we don't know what to do next, all we have to do is the little things. Maybe it's going back to the daily devotions, even when it doesn't feel like God's speaking. Maybe it's as simple as making sure you put your clothes away. Or maybe it's getting up at the same time every morning. Or maybe it's trying to stay organized. Or going to work when you're supposed to. When life gets muddled, when we don't know where to go next, we sometimes lose it all. And all God is asking for in active faith is doing the little things that we know we are to do. And soon, and soon, we'll reach a good time again. We'll reach when things are working good. Life is like that. I was blessed this week to be here on Wednesday night, and Travis talked about technology, and he referred to the Good Samaritan. And something jumped out at me in a way that never did before with the Good Samaritan. He was going on his, his business. I don't know where he was headed. I like to think he had a purpose, somewhere to go. And as he saw a man laying beside the road, what did he do? He stopped. He took an active step of faith. He could have asked the question, oh man, where am I to go next? What am I to do? Instead, he took an active step to help the fallen man. And he put the man on his donkey. He went, he even paid the hotel. He said, all right, I'm going back to work. I'm going to send you more money to take care of this man. It was a season. You see, active faith recognizes that there are seasons of life. And they find joy through it all. Is your life characterized by active faith? Don't put your head in the sand. Keep your head up. Take the steps that God wants you to do. Keep taking steps. Don't sit. God can't direct sitting. He can only direct steps. Faith is doing the things that we don't always see. We don't always need to see the big picture. So, a question I leave for you this morning, is your faith active? Look at the life of Abraham. I was inspired to do so. And I saw a life of faithfulness. And I want us to come away from looking at the life of Abraham, that was a quick overview, and ask, are we living with active faith? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the life of Abraham. Thank you for your word. You speak to us. And when you return, we know you want to see faith. And uh, uh, honestly, 
I don't think faith is actually faith unless it is active. But help us to have active faith. Help us to take the steps. Help us to start with the little seeds of, of trust when we don't see the big picture. And when the storms come up, help us to stick to what we know we're supposed to do and, and, and uh, tackle the seasons of life that you bring head on because that's all you want from us is active faith. May we be a people who are found faithful and may we be inspired by looking at those who've gone before. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Eddie, we have a song, please?